Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Yes, baby, we are back. It is the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast, and of course... I am your host, Tim Petrop, here with my two brothers, the only two twins that are over the Tannehill, you know what I'm saying? Michael and Jason Petropoulos, what's up? hey That's my team name, actually. Did you get it from what's me? Up, dude? Over the Tannehill That's is your team, team name? In the, That's the, a good one. In the, in the Tingle League. Or, oh, the, or the Brother League, I'm not sure. That's a good one. The Patron League, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know why we're shouting out Ryan Tannehill, it's because... Uh, and then... And then Real quick, and then um, the truth or value prince, Kirk Cousins, is my quarterback in our home league, so my team name is, you know everybody, my cousins. That's great. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You know everybody, my cousins. Um, that was a, that was a that was a terrible the baby, but it was a it's a great thing. But that was a terrible the trying to Jason trying to rap is not a actually. You guys would never know this, but Michael and Jason on the low have bars, but they they dedicate their bars to funny it's bars. True. But they, but when they make sure. funny bars, they're great. These guys, uh, secretly, secretly, and maybe we'll send some of these to the patrons. The t- we have like <laughs> a whole bunch of like funny songs recorded. It's mostly it's mostly Jason, Michael, and my brother Johnny, and my cousin Yanni. And I'm on a couple of songs, but some of the songs are absolutely 100% hilarious to the point where like your face hurts afterwards. That would be something Facts to send only. that to the patrons. <laughs> <laughs> we got to think about it. Speaking of the patrons, uh, shout out to the people who support us at patreon.com slash brotofantasy. It is the place to support the show and to support everything we're doing. And the thing that we are most excited about is the Fantasy Football by Broto app that is out now. It is a revolutionary first-of-its-kind fantasy football app. First-of-its-kind. And a little bit behind the scenes. I went to check the competition today, and I downloaded every single fantasy football app that's available. I downloaded every single one of them. And I looked at them, and we're the only one that does what we do. It's, it's, it's a great feeling, but it's important to note because the things that we do, fantasy player cards that update every single week, a who to start, start sit tool, player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, advanced stats, including the only place where you can get true target value, true throw value, two stats that have been tested, tried and true as predictive of fantasy success, and it is the only place you can get them is right here. And brand new to the app is usage. Do you want to know someone's snap count? Do you want to know how many snaps they played? Do you want to know a running back's uh, rush count? Do you want to know what percentage of rushes they had for their team? You can get that all in the palm of your hand with a push of a button now. It used to be an entire, like, you had to scroll through Twitter and find the right tweet, or you had to pay for a, a place to... No, it's all in a place right now in your hand on your phone, and it's with the Fantasy Football by Broto app. So please check that out. And patreon.com slash brotofantasy is where you can find everything uh, and support us as well as getting a ton of extras, including the waiver wire episode, which this week we had a very, the twins had a very interesting discussion about Elijah Mitchell. I, I was, I listened to that podcast legit specifically for one reason, to know how much I should bid on Elijah Mitchell in our home league. 
That is the only reason why. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I was out. the runner up. Yeah, you were My the brother Johnny. Johnny who got him. Yeah, he he had like a zero RB type draft, so he could use an RB two, and he uh, one fifty fab. He spent like one thirty. I was I had my bid in at one o two. One o one, Michael. I thought I was one o one. I thought I was gonna get him. I did not, unfortunately. But you thought you were gonna get him by one. We'll see. I did. Yes. You thought you were gonna bid, I'll bid someone by one. I bid sixty five on him myself, and I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of chilling at running back at the moment. But I I, I still need one. Uh, you always need a running back, right? All right. So anyway, speaking of running backs, the Raiders at the Steelers is the first game we are going to get into today. The Raiders. Bro. Yo, Darren. Bro, Darren Waller had 19 targets on Monday night. Are you kidding me? Yeah, glorious. But real quick, I um, I I wasn't on the Week One podcast, obviously. Um, but I was listening to it, and I heard Jason just randomly in the middle of the episode just go. When you're switching teams, and you weren't even on the Raiders yet. Then he goes, oh, wait, wrong timing. And none of you explained it at all. And I was like, a new listener must be so damn confused. as to why Jason just went, the and that was it. (laughs) You say new listener, uh, me, your brother of all of your entire life and your podcast mate for the last four years. I still don't know why. So they must have been really wondering. Uh, by the way, that's them saying the Raiders. I don't know why it has become that, but that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what's wow. It's it's the tight end usage of Darren Waller. And the Steelers might seem like a bad matchup, but the Steelers were kind of trash against tight ends last year. 28th in DVOA against the tight end. And, 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 they, were, and they were bad against the Bills. So... I'm I'm I have no qualms about starting Waller. As for the rest of this team, I want no part of anyone. What about you guys? Yeah, Waller is doing his best to be Travis Kelsey. Like he is setting the bar so that it's Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, everyone else. And that's including George Kittle. Because he this is just some dominant level type shit that Darren Waller is putting out there week in and week out. And the targets are not stopping at all. So I'm with you in that. That's just, it's just you have to start them week in and week out, locked and loaded, top two tight end. And then I'm also with you with the, with the pass catchers because, man, nobody separated themselves of the bunch in last week's game. Uh, Brian Edwards saw five targets, but those all came right at the end in the last two minutes where he went four for 81. So let just, me, bam, just like that. Let me ask you a question, Michael. Do you think so? Uh, for me, when you say no one separated themselves, for me, if I'm a head coach and my young second year, you know, late drafted wide receiver who I believe in sucked the whole game, and then when the going got tough and the game was on the line, put up four catches for 86 yards, like that's something that makes me think that Brian Edwards might get more work. Maybe like in this game, I don't necessarily sure. want him, but it's something that makes me optimistic about Brian Edwards. It doesn't make me less optimistic that it all came at the end. I think it's even better for him that it all came in the end. Yeah, that's a. I I agree in that it it could lead to something more, but I don't want to trust it this week against Pittsburgh, where Josh Allen and the Steelers couldn't even really find facts um, success against this defense last week. And what I was referring to in terms of no one really standing out is the snap percentages mostly, um, where you saw Brian Edwards got sixty six percent of snaps, sixty five for Henry Ruggs. 
55 for Hunter Renfro. And Renfro led the team in targets with nine. Uh, not the team, the wideouts. Darren Waller had 19, who led the team. And then Edwards and Ruggs with five apiece. Ruggs uh, showed off his speed a couple times, and I'm interested to see if the Raiders go to that more often because Henry Ruggs has that breakaway speed, man. I, I know it's not looking like he's going to be worth his, what, 12th overall draft pick, first of all the wide receivers last year. That's not looking like a great pick, but if he's able to use his speed more and open up the field for the Raiders, that could be good. Um, like we saw last week, a couple deep balls thrown his way. So this week, particularly against the Steelers, I'd rather not trust either of these guys. Um, if I had to choose one, it'd be Edwards. Um, but try to try to use his big playability in the end zone. But I mean, against the Steelers, the Ravens offense, I mean, excuse me, the Raiders offense, I'm not very interested. Jason, what about you? The thing that I would like in terms of the Raiders is if Kenyon Drake had the backfield to himself with Peyton Barber, basically. That would be where I'm most confident of any Raider outside of Darren Waller. Uh, it seems like Josh Jacobs is going to play. He played hobbled last week and salvaged his day with two touchdowns. He has but not against... practiced yet, though, which is which yeah. is a little concerning. He hasn't practiced. Yeah, but, I mean, it's only Thursday, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a questionable tag and does play. I would, uh, again, I would prefer if I have Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs, I'd prefer that Jacobs just doesn't play. I think Kenyon Drake is a decent RB2 flex option if uh, Jacobs does miss time because against this steel curtain, falling into the end zone isn't a given. And Kenyon Drake has been active in the passing game. He had five catches last week. That's why they brought him in. Look, I said... All offseason. And some people like really disagree with me on Twitter. And I was like, well, it sucks for you because you're going to be wrong. That this offensive distribution, the leaders and touches were going to be Waller, Jacobs, Drake, and then any other wide receiver. And that's what it was last week. Drake is at least the third option on this team. So I'm looking forward to if Jacobs doesn't play. Because if Jacobs does play, I don't want to start either of them against the Steelers. Because half a running back against the Steelers is not a good... It's not a good option. Similar situation with the Lions, right? Where those where those running backs are kind of, but you know Jacobs doesn't get any targets, and that that's the difference. For me, I'm staying away from Jacobs here. Um, Jacobs is TD dependent, and the the Steelers gave up the fifth least uh, TDs in the red zone last year, so I'm not trying to go there. Let's go over to yeah, the I team. Think that, I think that usage. Real quick, last week was very telling about how they're going to use these two guys, where it's 52-48 basically down the middle with Drake getting a lot of pass-catching work. Jacob's getting more so the uh, the, the run, ground-and-pound ground type of work. Yeah, first first two down kind of situation. I mean, that's 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 how it's going to be. Um, that's, that's what we said it was going to be. Uh, the QBs, no shot Derek Carr's in my lineup in this one. I know he had a big first week, but... I'm I'm not starting Derek Carr against the Steelers. Like they probably they're probably the best defense in the NFL at the moment. Um, no no disagreement there. So let's move on. Najee Harris looked like a rookie in his debut. Like he there was a couple times where he should have probably just like put his put his elp, like shoulder down and found a little hole and got a couple yards. But he tried to bust it to the outside and he didn't have the speed to get there. And the guys ran him down. Um, the O-line looked like a little bit of a problem. The, um, I'm not going to lie. That's, I'm one of the people who are like, oh, the Steelers O-line is just going to be the Steelers O-line. They have a historically good O-line, even though all the turnover. 
they looked a little shaky. Um, he really had no room to operate. But running backs did go pretty bananas against the Raiders in week one. The Raiders have always been susceptible to rush defense. So, you know, I'm playing Najee again with some confidence. Jason, how are you feeling about him? I agree. Look, he played every snap, 17 touches. Oakland is not a super imposing rush defense. And look, at the end of the day, Big Ben looked worse last year. His average depth of target was 6.9 yards. And on Sunday against the Bills, it was 5.9. There's a reason why the Steelers went out and drafted a running back in the first round. It's because this is a new dink and dunk offense where they're going to want to run the ball a bit. So I'm going to put that one in the that first week for Najee Harris in the in the back burner. And I look forward to seeing what he could do against Oakland this week. I think he's a strong play. These wide receivers, um, Chase Claypool, disappointed. Deontay Johnson caught a touchdown, but would have disappointed otherwise. Juju just kept on doing Juju things, where it's just he, he's just like he's basically an RB, the second running back. He's like the pass catching running back on the team at this point. Um, but he did lead the team in snaps. He was on the field almost every play. Um, Deontay Johnson, thirty one percent of the targets. Juju, twenty five percent. Chase Claypool, fifteen percent. James Washington got some got some snaps as well. Against the Raiders. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, I know. The, against the Raiders, last season, they were seventh worst in yards per play. They had a propensity to give up big plays. They gave up a, bit, a long TD pass to Hollywood last game. I think that this is a Chase Claypool game where he'll put a touch, a, like a long touchdown in. But my favorite of the bunch, if I had to, if I had to, if I had to rank them, and I think it's going to be this rank throughout the entire season, it's going to be Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, how you guys, how you feeling about these wide receivers? Yeah, hold on, Michael, because you guys don't give Deontay Johnson enough love. He got 10 targets last week. He now has double-digit targets in eight of his last 10 games. When you're getting double-digit targets from someone like Big Ben, even though it's not prime Big Ben, double-digit targets from Big Ben is going to result in points. So even though he was bailed out by a touchdown last week, he wasn't. When you're going to get 10 targets from Big Ben, there's a decent chance you find the end zone. And if not, it's more likely that you finish with more than five catches and 36 yards, which is what his line was last week. So I think Deontay Johnson is going to be a strong wide receiver, too, from here on out. Claypool and Juju, I'm a lot more worried about. Like you said, Juju's basically a fucking drag wide receiver, just catch drags. And Claypool's dealing with a quarterback whose ADOT just dropped from seven to six. Who knows if it's going to go higher? Deontay is the only one I'm not concerned about, and the only one I'm excited about starting. I would. I'm going to. I would. I, this is going to be interesting because my my bad, Michael. Because like you said, who knows if his A dot is going to go up? Because one of the, the expectations was, you know, Big Ben's going to kind of bounce back and not be a dink and dunk guy like he was last year. And like you said, that kind of continued against the Bills. But but that being said, the Bills have a pretty good front seven. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see against the Raiders who don't. So it's going to be interesting to see when he has more time in the pocket, how this offense looks when they actually want to operate the way they want to operate. Michael, what's up? I'm going to start a petition to um, stop ranking Chase Claypool as anything other than the third Pittsburgh wide receiver. That's wild. Um, because I, it's another Claypool game... over Juju every day. Yeah, no. Five targets last week to Juju's eight. 67% of the snaps to Juju's 91. Every year, every week one was... is. is exactly what we saw last week he plays the third least snaps 
he gets the least targets and you have to hope for a big play. Like I, this is why I was fading Chase Claypool the entire offseason because he was going far too high for my liking in a crowded offense. And now we have a guy who just it's going to it's looking like it's going to be the same exact thing as last year. Yeah, he'll have a game where he scores two touchdowns and goes crazy. But guess what? He's also going to have games like week one where you have him in your starting lineup and you're like, damn, I spent a fifth or sixth round pick on this guy. A sixth round pick is possibly against Las a, Vegas. It's probably it's possibly a wide receiver three. Chase Claypool as a wide receiver three is exactly who you want as a wide receiver three, in my opinion. Against with that being said, against Las Vegas, I think he's a, I mean, a decently strong wide receiver three start. Same with Juju and Deontay, a uh, strong wide receiver two start. Like Jason said, he just continues to get the targets no matter what. I think Eric Ebron has an interesting game here. Has a chance to find the end zone um, if you're streaming tight ends or. You're looking for a deep tight end, but I see. Yeah, I'm just. I think Chase Claypool is just. It's looking like all this talk about how their offense was going to change. It looked exactly the same. Let's see what it looks like against the Raiders. Um, I, you're right, Michael. It did look exactly yeah. the same, but I want to see what it looks like against a team that's not going to pressure them like the Raiders, like like the like they did that like they got pressured last week. By the way, if you're playing Ebron, you're gambling on a tight end. I mean, you're gambling on a touchdown, and you're gambling on a tight end. Yeah. You're streaming a tight end. He may seem on paper like a good play, but I will say this. Las Vegas was fifth in DVOA against the tight end last season. And they play in a division with Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry, and Noah Fant. And they were still fifth in DVOA against the tight end. This is a team that's built yeah, so to stop tight ends. Friar also actually outsnapped him. Um, correct. I'm not, yeah. say, I, I'm not saying to start Ebron. I'm just saying if you're like in a maybe like a two-tight end league and you want to chase a tight end, he might. this is a decent matchup for him to do it. All right, let's get let's get into this next game. The 49ers at the Eagles is the next game, and this is an interesting one because uh, Kyle Shanahan, you sly son of a bitch, you you he's just like I no longer believe a word he says. I we haven't believed at, at, at Brodo, we haven't believed the word he says for a long time, but we at least like thought that he might be the outside telling the truth. He's not even outside telling the truth now. He's just straight up lying. Um, so, what's your outlook on the running backs? If you have Elijah Mitchell, you probably paid up for him. Where do you rank him this week? Is Trey Sermon going to be active, do you think? Do you think he's not going to be active? What What say you on this? If you dropped a lot of fab on Elijah Mitchell or your first waiver priority or second, which is probably what you needed to get him, it's probably because you're putting him in your lineup. And he's likely a good RB2 this week. I'd like to see if um, Trey Sermon's going to be active. I'd like to see how much work Jermichael Hasty gets. It's tough with this because, look, at the end of the day, no one expected Elijah Mitchell to do what he did in week one. And honestly, I would have been intrigued to see what his role was with a healthy Mostert because it seems like Shanahan planned on having Mitchell involved regardless. The fact of the matter is, week one, Shanahan chose his guy. It was Elijah Mitchell. Could it change? Yes. But in the second game of the season, the week after Elijah Mitchell played well, that's probably not the game to bet on it changing. So I, I do think he's a decent RB2 option. There's, there's obviously... Yeah, Matt. Uh, and anxiety real quick, there. though, the Giants just had a pretty impressive, uh, impressive go. They just had a rushing touchdown by Daniel Jones on a QB draw from the five. That's one thing that Daniel Jones does week. do well is he runs the ball pretty well. Yeah. But, like, 
Man, all these people who are like, while well, you were spending 90% of your fab on Elijah Mitchell, I got Jermichael Hasty for 2%. Congrats. What are you going to do when Jermichael Hasty gets two carries sitting on your bench? I think Jermichael Hasty has backup running back. zero chance of, of yeah, doing like, anything. He, he had one carry last week. It happened to be a touchdown. But even when Mostert went down, Elijah Mitchell had 19 carries to Hasty's one. Like, it's just dumb. And Elijah Mitchell... He looks like the guy, and it, he did nothing last week to show that he shouldn't be the guy. So I'm with Jason in that. If you you're probably getting, I haven't running back twenty just because he also get doesn't get much um, passing work, um, and we don't know exactly. I'm very interested to see if Trey Sermon is active this week. If he's inactive, man, that would be brutal. But I want to keep an eye on that. But yeah, I'm I'd be playing Elijah Mitchell if I picked him up. Elijah Mitchell ran a four four. You know that Shanahan likes fast running backs. There was a yep. there was a few like there's like a little triumph like a little like a like underground YouTube like video analyst scene that loves this dude that absolutely like is in love with this dude and four four is impressive speed and not for nothing Shanahan has coached a sixth round pick before. And it was with RG3, and his name was Alfred Morris, and he had 1,600 yards that year. He's done it before. And when you're talking about Elijah Mitchell's got, Mitchell got 86% of the runs, like you, like you mentioned. He played 64% of the snaps. This is a guy who dominated the possession. I don't understand. If Trey Sermon is, is inactive, then this is the guy. Now, the question is, though, what if Trey Sermon's active? Now what? Do you play Trey Sermon? I'm still playing. I'm still playing. No, Mitchell. of course um, not. No. You're not playing Wait Sermon. See what Trey this guy Sermon. was a this yeah. guy was a healthy scratch playing. last no. week. There's no way I'm starting him. He could go out no. there and you could tell me for a fact he's going to score four touchdowns. I'm still not going to do it just, just out of principle. Just irresponsible. He was a healthy scratch <laughs> last week. Um, over to the other side, the running backs, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders had a shady great game against the Falcons. Um, but there is something to be said about it because the Eagles went up early, so that could have floated him and got him more touches. Um. He had the 10th most receiving yards, though, on the week uh, with four catches on five targets, 66% of the snaps, 63% of the rushes. That sounds like workhorse number numbers. I know a lot of people are excited about Kenneth Gainwell, but Kenneth Gainwell is the Boston Scott of the situation. You know what I mean? It's like Boston Scott got no work at all. Boston, Boston Scott did not play a snap. Um Kenneth Gainwell was targeted on 8.6%, but Miles Sanders was targeted on 14.5% of snaps. So Miles Sanders looks like they want to work him, they want to give him the ball more. Remember, this is a different coaching staff, and Miles Sanders is a very talented running back. How are you guys looking at Miles Sanders this week? Yeah, that was um very nice to see because, like you said, new coaching staff, the Eagles offense, grain of salt. They played against Atlanta. Big be a time. Lot more telling. Grain of a big, big grain of of Himalayan pink salt. Yeah, going to be a lot more telling against San Francisco this week. But they actually look like a legitimate offense, um, and a big part of that was Miles Sanders, who, of course, on 15 attempts ran for 74 yards because he always runs for um, a lot of yards when he gets a good number of attempts. He also mixed it in the passing game as well, which is nice to see after last season's debacle in the passing game. So I like him as an RB2 this week, and I'm very interested very interested to see how this Eagles team operates against San Fran because Jalen Hurts looked tremendous. Devontae Smith looked like um, he was worth his 
draft value. He impressed. And, uh, he impressed me. Yeah, he certainly impressed. I mean, I'm not falling for Jalen Rager. He, no. he he. I still think he's just an ugly type of player. I mean, you you um, mentioned then, how he can't get open, and he scored on a screen pass. So like that yeah. still doesn't address the issue. Yeah, and then uh, and then you got the tight ends, of course, where Goddard was the the prize possession, um, seventy three percent of snaps, but Ertz played fifty eight percent of snaps, but Goddard got the targets and he got the touchdown. I'm still again, it was against Atlanta, who, if I'm remembering right, was like all time bad against the tight end last year. So I'm not putting too much into that one. Goddard is still someone. If I could flip him, I'd do it in a second. Someone I'm not um, very high on this year. Um, yeah, if you look at what Ertz did last week, because Ertz also left the game for a little bit last week with a hamstring injury. So his snap share probably would have been higher than 58%. Did he, didn't, 73s. he didn't practice on Wednesday, Zach Ertz. He could miss the game. All right. All right, potentially, but he came back in that the game. That would so bump up Goddard a little bit. Ertz is not going to practice any Wednesdays this season. I will That's true. tell you that from now. Um, but... Zach Ertz blocked on exactly 0% of passing downs. So when he's in there, he's running routes. He he was lined up in the slot 60.9% of the time. Zach Ertz is kind of a shady play, and Dallas Goddard is less of a good play because of that. I'm I'm honestly, dude, at, by the end of the offseason, I had Jalen Hurts ranked as my sixth quarterback, and I am convinced that he's going to be that the big five quarterbacks should be the big six and Hertz is going to be there every week. Wow. And I'm not afraid uh, of this. He's this year's Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, late round quarterback. The 49ers just lost Justin Verrett after getting torched by Jared Goff and co. And now they just signed the ghost of Josh Norman. They do not have a good secondary right now. And I know their defensive line is pretty good. But I think this defense is reeling a little bit. They lost Robert Sala. I just I I have a good feeling about this game for the Eagles offense. I'm even considering starting Kenneth Gainwell over James Conner. Because I feel like Gainwell might get more work. Dude, Gainwell had 11 touches last week. He also had a touchdown catch negated by penalty. He could have had two touchdowns in his first ever game. Any the 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 first touchdown the touchdown he did score was in the is in the red zone he got a red zone carry that's always nice to see, um yeah, yeah you said Jason Verrett out is a, is a big thing because that that 49ers defense the the Sala ran a, a type of system that got a lot of pressure and took a lot of pressure off the cornerbacks and that's why the cornerbacks played well but their secondary talent is questionable at best it's a lot of guys who let's to put it lightly are not household names on the other side wide receiver household name that did nothing last last week Brandon Ayuk who actually got in and played some special team snaps that oh makes oh, oh boy um the the comments from Kyle Shanahan are so ambiguous that if you're if you're coming from the side of Ayuk is now sucks and we should all panic you can hear what he's saying and say I am confirmed and if you're coming from the side of, oh, don't worry, everything's fine, Ayuk's going to be fine, you are confirmed. Like, Kyle Shanahan has got so good at lying that he doesn't even take a side. So, I don't know what to do with Brandon Ayuk. I, I mean, like, I was, in the beginning of the week when I was, like, still passionate and, and, and like, g- kind of, like, still, like, recovering from everything, I tweeted, 
I'm starting Brandon Ayuk in all my DFS lineups next week. I, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to be the only guy who, who takes advantage of it. But the more you get closer to the week, the more you start to think like, yo, if, if this guy doesn't play again, he's going to zero me again. How do you play this guy? So I, I think Ayuk is kind of a sit and wait it out, no? There is a 0% chance I start Brandon Ayuk in basically any league. I have him ranked down at wide receiver 57. There is just way too much of a question. And it doesn't seem like, yes, Shanahan said, you know, he was injured. So he's been in and out. So he's been inconsistent or whatever bullshit he said. But he also said he has to play. Uh, he has to really play better to get on the field. And he just, he basically just ah, was shitting on see, Brandon. Ayuk. Yo, you see, because Today, like, yo, that, that comment was like, was not because if you see it the other way, the comment, yeah, he said that, but also like he was in the middle of a thought. Someone's phone rang, cut him off. He came back and he's like, "If you want to play every snap, you got to be a lot better than the guy behind you." Sure, but you don't want Ayuk to play every snap. You want him to play seventy-five percent of the snaps. Do you know what I mean? Like, bro, today there's you could hear it that way. Today in practice, they were running drills. They had Debo with um with Sherfield and then they had Sanu with some guy I can't even remember his name and then they had Ayuk run it alone I don't know what the fuck is going on in San Francisco but it seems like Kyle Shanahan decided he hates Brandon Ayuk Ugh. and until that changes I'm not playing him and this fucking sucks because it I sucks. thought Brandon Ayuk was gonna be great this season me too bro I, I have him in I so many teams him. I liked him at ADP it turns out I only drafted him once in any of my leagues that's just how it went but it's not because i was actively avoiding him it's because i, I played with you and someone i else more it's because i played with you and i drafted him in every league yeah so it's but it's rough i don't think there's any way and then on the other hand with depot samuel how do you not play him because look obviously 12 targets 189 yards it's a bit of a mirage right you can't just expect that to happen every week they played detroit as well but Debo has been someone who whenever he is healthy has been productive and if Ayuk is out he's gonna get a shitload of touches yeah. alongside George Kittle they're gonna be the 1a and 1b we said during the 49ers heat wave if one of these guys goes down the other two are going to be great and right now Ayuk didn't get hurt but it sure seems like he's down he's so down. I don't see how you could possibly sit Debo um I have him as a mid-range wide receiver too this week and then George Kittle obviously you start Every week locked and loaded. And Philly has a weak secondary on top of it. So Debo's a great player. Yeah, and it's just a tremendous matchup for yeah. San Fran to have a similar offensive outburst as they had last year. Detroit and Philly, I can't think of a better way to start a season. Uh, let's move over to the Texans at the Browns. The Browns get a nice little break after a hard-fought, um, a, a, a very, very, very hard-fought uh, game against the Chiefs that, ah, man, a fumble at the end by Nick Chubb, who never fumbles, um, cost him the game. And it was it was tough if you're the Cleveland Browns. On the other side, the Texans put on a clinic against, like, Houston was not as good as Jacksonville was bad. Like, Trevor Lawrence threw some balls where you're just like, what the fuck are you doing? And the Texans had a lot of short fields. They had a, they had a lot of possession time to do what they needed to do in those short fields. They had a big lead from the very beginning. So the Texans, I think, are a little bit of a mirage. For me, it's Bro. don't play any Texans. If you have to if you have to 
play Brandon Cooks, then maybe play Brandon Cooks. And I want to play every Brown that I could play, especially with OBJ out. I want to play every single Brown that I could play. We'll get into the Browns in a second, but Jason, you were about to say something. What's up? Yeah, because we talk about 11 personnel on this podcast. We talk about 12. I don't know if we've ever said the word 13 personnel, which means one running back, three tight ends. The Texans ran 13 personnel 23% of the time in week one. Wow. Yahtzee. They had three tight ends, and that is why Mark Ingram had 27 rushes. <laughs> it was just straight up. You want to talk about ground and pound. They went Yeesh. to they went to Madden and they put in goal line. <laughs> and bro, they honestly, had three the running the, backs to run for a touchdown. What? <laughs> and Rex Burkhead also played 14% of the snaps. And Philip Lindsay's touchdown was a wildcat play that he got handed from Mark Ingram. It was just like a game of running backs. It was wild. The only the only tight end of the three that were always like getting on the field who did anything. It wasn't even Jordan Aikens. It was Farrell Brown. Yeah, I mentioned him. Who turned that. five targets into 67 yards. The fuck is he's a an Farrell athletic Brown? dude? He, no, he's athletic. He's interesting. Yeah, but you thought Farrell Brown, we'd be talking about him on the second podcast of the year. I, I, talk, I talked about him. In the, not. I talked about him on the first podcast. <laughs> All right. Get you, I, get, yo, step your game up, son. I don't recall that. But, yo, yeah. I also want to add regarding Houston. Look, whoever drafted Brandon Cooks in your league, if he was the guy saying, you guys are letting me get Brandon Cooks this late, he's so good every year. And then after the week one performance, yo, please trade away Brandon Cooks. Trade like him if hard. You, if you drafted him. Trade him so hard. They're not going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars every week, and Tyrod Taylor is not a good passing quarterback. Like, I'm sorry. I have... Brandon Cooks at wide receiver 36 this week, which is um, seven spots below consensus. And I honestly want to rank him lower. I may end up moving him down. Um, it's still early. It's still Thursday. I do my last tweaks. I do some tweaks Friday and Saturday. But yeah, I'm just not buying the Jacksonville game. Because if you didn't have that 50-yard bomb that Tyra Taylor just kind of threw up to him that he ended up getting some separation... He ends with four catches and like 80 yards and no one's really thinking twice about it. But instead he has five for 132 and people are like, Brandon Cooks are doing Brandon Cooks things. Thanks. The Texans are going to suck. This reminds me of the Jaguars last year. The Jaguars beat the Colts week one. Everyone was hyped about Gardner Minshew. Then they lost 15 straight. Like the Texans are going to be a lot more, <laughs> a lot more closer to the Jaguars of last year than they are going to be an actual team that produces talent because it's just that's not who they are they have a three-headed backfield that you should avoid entirely like they have brandon cooks only i'd rather like this is the patriots from last year like i'd rather just not touch anyone on that team than insert any of them into my lineup uh you, know, you guys go ahead. just considering how bad the texans are right are you guys as excited as i am about nick chubb and Kareem Hunt this week. I have them both ranked as high-end RB2 for Hunt and then RB1 for, for Chubb. Last yep. year last year when I said they were going to combine for 200 yards and each score a touchdown and it happened, this is a very good spot for that same thing to happen again. I agree. Dude, Nick Chubb has scored a touchdown in seven straight games. He has 14 touchdowns in his last 13 regular season games. The guy just scores touchdowns. And then Kareem Hunt has 12 touchdowns in his last 16 games. 
Baker Mayfield played pretty well last week. Didn't even have a touchdown. Jarvis Landry had a rushing touchdown. This is an offense that rushes towards the goal line. Yeah, they do. You have to start Chubb. You have to start Hunt. You have to start Landry, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. With OBJ out again. And Man, I have, I, I have Landry I don't at wider receiver 17 this week. Oh. All right. It's the Houston Hi. Texans, and OBJ is out. I agree. Why would you not start Jarvis Landry? I agree. He's going he's gonna to be high up there for me as well. 100%. I'm, I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield as a streamer, though. No. Do you guys think I'm bugging? No. I think he's a decent streaming option, but the, the fact that they score so many rushing touchdowns, obviously, is a concern. That's the but thing. I, I do think he's a, he's a decent streaming option. I hope you don't have to stream in week two. Like, it's not like we have bye weeks and shit, so... You probably already have a starting quarterback. I mean, not if you didn't draft one. Yeah. You definitely have to stream in week two. There's people out there who definitely Like, have I to drafted Kirk two. Cousins, and Cousins is going up against Arizona, who just made Tannehill's life extremely hard. But, like, I was I was looking at the waiver wire. I decided to stick with Cousins. But some people are streaming, bro. I, I, what the fuck yeah, are you talking about? Fair enough. Dude, you know what gets no real pub? It's like, I know that Chandler Jones went ape shit, and that gets a lot of credit. But Chandler Jones has been on an island on that team for a long time, and now you put J.J. Watt on the other side and five sacks is what comes of it. That could be a scary combination. Like, It only really takes a really great pass rusher to turn around a defense really quickly. It's like having a good quarterback on an offense, having a great pass rusher. (laughs) So it's just it's interesting to see. I really like the the Arizona play. Um, Hunt was number one in points per opportunity, excluding TDs. Last uh, last game. I just want to talk about one more person. I think is an interesting streamer himself, and that's David Njoku. Uh, there was a lot of hype around David Njoku and how much better he got in camp this year, and you kind of saw that play out uh, on the field. Um, three catches for 76 yards for Njoku, uh, led the tight ends and targets, which, by the way, I wish there was just one tight end because the tight end for the Browns would be an amazing, amazing player. This The tight ends got 10 targets combined last game and which right now by the way sorry that I I got cut off Saquon Barkley four rushes for 46 yards as we're speaking right now so Saquon kind of looking pretty good don't tell nobody well one one little uh good run the other ones he's basically stuffed I mean yeah but one more than little that's what Saquon does yeah yeah more than one little good run but yeah uh the more than the the more percentages of the overall team passing volume went to the tight end than any other team for the Browns last season. And now 10 targets for the tight ends in the first game. The tight ends are a big part of this, and Njoku could be an interesting streamer in this game uh, against a very bad team. I was intrigued by his usage. They did tend to use him when they needed uh, needed passing plays, which is unfortunate for Austin Hooper. Kind of takes him off the map. But, yeah, David Njoku is interesting going forward if the, if those targets continue to... Get funneled his way. Let's go to the next game. It is the Broncos at the Jaguars. I'm going to make this pretty simple, too. Um, The Jaguars were an interesting situation. Um, I'd rather not play the Jaguars if I have the option to not play the Jaguars. James Robinson doesn't excite me. Um, Carlos Hyde definitely doesn't excite me. DJ Chark got 12 targets. So he's the number one guy there based on usage, but at the same time, he only caught three balls. So not a very good turnaround not a very good percentage there um and they're playing a denver defense that's very good and has a very good secondary 
Um, Marvin Jones caught a touchdown, but he caught a touchdown in complete garbage time. LaVisca Sinold, like was another guy who got a bunch of targets but didn't really do anything with them. Nothing about this this Jaguars offense really excites me at the moment, particularly because they're playing a very good defense in the Broncos, and the Broncos are probably one... Are, right now I have them ranked in defense, I think, number two on the week. So that's how I'm feeling. Um, how are you guys feeling about it? I mean, Trevor Lawrence ended up having a nice, a nice fantasy day, though. Uh, but I, it's uh, because... He dropped back to pass 51 times. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I do want to say people who are saying, oh, Trevor Lawrence, like, he's doing what we wanted. Yeah, fantasy points. Yeah, he's not going to drop back to pass 51 times every game. And he was a and he was a little reckless with his – he did throw three interceptions, and he did make some – Two two on his side of the field. boneheaded mistakes. Two of them on his yeah. side of the field, I believe. One deep in his side of the field. Last week, DJ Chark – had a 16-yard average of the target. Last year, his average of the target was 14. It seems like DJ Chark is just turning into a deep threat. Ah, 12 targets which is just fine. a deep threat. Well, it's been only half a year and a, too. a year and a game now where his ADOT's been at least 14. So he's been turning into a deep threat, which is fine and dandy. But those are, as Michael said... Targets that aren't always successful. Those are the least successful targets. So DJ Chark's going to be very up and down, in my opinion, this season. I I don't trust starting him this week. And then LaVisca Chenault. Fucking LaVisca should vault into a running back what does territory. That, does that Am I right? Mean? He's basically he's basically an extension of a running back. Ten targets ended with 50 yards. Are you fucking kidding me? And now Bryce <laughs> Callahan... Targets is playing uh, against him this week. He's a pretty good slot corner. Better than I, pretty good. I'm, yeah, he's one of the better slot corners. So I'm with you guys. I don't love them this week. Can I give a little bit of love to our guy? Oh, Sean Hennessy? Oh, Sean Hennessy? <laughs> yeah. You know, real quick. Eight targets notes, last week. Real quick, real quick. In my notes, I wrote, oh, Sean Hennessy, and it kept trying to change it. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he played on he ran a route on 80% of the Jaguars dropbacks. Chris Manhurts caught the touchdown, but O'Shawn Hennessy might be a name that we don't just say for fun at some point this season <laughs> if he if he keeps this up. By the way, that's O'Shawn Hennessy. For those of you who are O'Shaughnessy, yes. But O'Shawn uh, Hennessy. From the uh, substitute teacher skit in Key and Peel. One of the funnier yeah. skits as as a <laughs> teacher in the South Bronx. One of the skits that I could definitely uh, appreciate. No, it's from I thought it was the football team names. No, O'Shawn Hennessy is from um, is from oh, the substitute okay, so teacher. The teacher skit. Yeah. But I do I do want to add um, before we move on about Chenault. 70 percent of snaps to Chark's 84 percent and Marvin Jones is 91 percent. Um, 12 targets to Chark, nine to Jones, nine to Chenault. And like Jason said, he ended seven for 50. I had. No idea what all the Chenault love was for this offseason because this was going to be his role. Congrats, seven for fifty. Who is that really helping? Um, you don't I want don't really the, the you love. don't want the guy who runs drag routes for Urban Meyer, he's bro. Way, he's yeah, way everyone, more he's way more valuable in PPR leagues. Everyone said, Oh yeah, Urban Meyer knows his, knows how to use him and all that. Like he went seven for fifty in a cakewalk matchup and now he gets Denver and Callahan. Like I'd rather have Chark 
I'd rather start Chark and Marvin Jones over Chenault this week. My favorite play Can in this... Note... Go ahead. <clears throat> Can we note that Carlos Hyde had four more rushes than James Robinson? And you could point that to too. routes run or total snaps because James Robinson beat Carlos Hyde handedly in those categories. I'm sorry, the other way around. Say, say, but, cl- say it clearly because that's it's very important that people know this if they don't already know. Say that. Say that. So James right Robinson way. beat Carlos Hyde in snaps, forty-seven to twenty-five. Ran sixty-four percent of the routes uh, while he was in. That's fine and dandy, but Carlos Hyde out carried him nine to five. It was everyone's a lot of, pointing uh, to the snaps, dude. No, everyone's pointing to the snaps. It's because the Jaguars were down fucking thirty-eight to nothing after thirty seconds. Right. Exactly. This week, if it's a competitive game. Teddy Bridgewater's not blowing anyone out of the water. They'll beat the Jaguars handedly, but fucking Teddy's not putting up 21 points in three minutes. So I would not be surprised if Carlos Hyde out-touches or out-snaps James Robinson in this game. I don't know about that. I mean, Hyde did get a lot of work at the end of the game when they were down 20-plus. So time will tell, but certainly not good for James Robinson and that rushing just that rushing offense did not look good overall so we'll see how this week goes for me obviously i prefer james robinson but i think he's more a, a low-end rb2 until further notice unless something changes uh jack my favorite play of the week on any team in, the, in this matchup is no offense jacksonville was really bad against the tight end last year 30th in dvoa against the tight end um now that jerry judy is out it's going to open up a lot of opportunity for Cortland Sutton, and it's going to open up a lot of opportunity for uh, no offense. And I even think that Miami like, Brown with a catch and a half, though. Shout out to Miami Brown. <laughs> so, like, something that definitely, definitely, like, stands out is no offense. All, all of a sudden, his, his, uh, now his, his, his different type of ceiling. He has a different type of ceiling with Jerry Judy out. So, I think that against the Jags, no offense, one of my favorite tight end plays. Like I think I have him ranked fourth this week. Like he's he's one of my favorite tight end plays this week. I'm a little upset that I do not roster more. No offense, I was a little scared about all the targets in Denver, and clearly it looks like Teddy Bridgewater likes throwing to him. And now that Jerry Judy is out for an extended period of time, four to six weeks is the initial diagnosis. I agree with you that No offense has a chance to feast, and he. He looks like he's on his way to a uh, a breakout type season if all continues to fall his way. And against Jacksonville is a tremendous matchup, and I think he definitely builds on his his um, opening game where he went six for sixty two on eight targets. So I'm with you, and I think you definitely start Noah Fant in this one. Cortland Sutton, I think, is another one who's a pretty great play in this game. Um, the other t- the other wide receiver that you might have picked up on the waiver wire, there was a little debate going on. Who would you rather have, KJ Hamler or Tim Patrick? Yeah, Patrick. I think it is depends the... on your team's needs. Okay. Yeah, like if you if you need to just start someone, I feel like Patrick is the safer guy. We saw it last year too. Wide receiver three finishes all over the place when given the shot to play last year, and um, well, about half his games he was. A wide receiver, more than half his games, he was a wide receiver three or better, and and you got KJ Hamler who stepped into the slot role that Judy left behind, and he certainly is the more explosive type player. Um, so it's it's tough because Cortland Sutton I think has and Tim Patrick have more similar roles. I'm interested to see because Cortland Sutton did play 
Um, how many? What, what was the snaps? 80% of snaps last year. I do feel like he was being eased in. He only saw three targets, so I think he will start getting more work. But if I'm chasing upside, I do think Hamler is the the more interesting guy there. But Patrick might end up being the more consistent, lower ceiling type guy. Let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys a question. Who was the fastest ball carrier in week one of the NFL? Oh, that's a good question. I feel uh, like it has to be KJ Hamler if you're asking that question. Or Javante Williams because you love Javante Williams. <laughs> Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Boom. On that on the you know what's funny? Like he he looked like he was running too fast for his body on his uh <laughs> on his seventy yard run. Like it looked like Madden. You know when Madden people people run? But like it doesn't make sense, and they're like kind of running faster than their legs are hitting the floor. That kind of look, that kind of was like what Melvin Gordon looked like last week. Yeah, at twenty one and a half miles per hour, Melvin Gordon was the fastest ball carrier. Shout out to the old man. Look, Michael 20, pointed it out to me today. Like twenty eight years cool. old. <laughs> the uh, in week one, I said I wouldn't be surprised if the. Melgo Williams backfield was a 50-50 split from the start. And guess what? It was exactly 50-50. Each of them played half of the Broncos 66 snaps in a game where I expect both of them to get half the snaps again. It caps their upside and people might think differently about these running backs if Melgo didn't have a 70-yard rush touchdown. But against the Jaguars, I like both these guys as RB2 flex plays. I agree, man. They, they just gave up 150-plus rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns to the Houston Texans. David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Mark Ingram all had rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, sign me up for Williams and Melgo as RB2s this week. I'm excited about Melgo. I don't know about Javante Williams quite yet. Like, he didn't really, like, impress me much from what I saw of him, and I he just he had no production. I I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable starting Javante Williams in this game. If there is a game to start him, I guess is the one. But I, I just, I think it's, I just think it's not Javante time. Like I, I have Javante in a few leagues. Like for me, it's just not Javante's time, personally. If you say so. <laughs> um, Teddy Bridgewater, you're not starting unless you're in a superflex league, which in in which case could be a, a nice little streamer in a superflex league or a good RB two, a QB two. Um, is there anyone else in this game that you want to talk about? No. All right, let's go over. I just to want to say, oh, Sean Hennessy, one more time. Let's go over to the Saints at the Panthers. So one of the things I think is interesting about the the Saints, and we talked about how weird Jameis Winston's game was, where he had five touchdowns thrown, but he only, you know, he only threw for 170 yards. A lot of that is because the Saints defense was absolutely ridiculous, and he started drives inside his 20 twice. So, like, this is a, that's a situation that's not going to present itself again. Jameis Winston did play well, but I think his numbers inflate what he actually, like his actual performance. Um, this Panthers defense, look, a lot of people are saying that Zach Wilson kind of had a bad first half against, against the Panthers defense. And that, I didn't see it that way. When I watched, there was a lot of, there was a lot of drops. There was a lot of almosts. It's like just like rookie little mistakes, but really bad offensive line work. Offensive, like he was on on the run, but for the most part, the throws the guy was making were like bullets on, on point. Just a lot of drops. There was like four drops in the first quarter. So 
the Panthers were carved up a little bit by the Jets, even though it didn't show on the on the scoreboard. Um, so for the Saints, Marcus Calloway. You drafted him in to be the number one guy. He was not the one, number one guy. But there is something to be said about the fact that he was shadowed by Jair Alexander. Now he won't be shadowed by Jair Alexander. Is Marquez Callaway like a sneaky good play this week? Michael, you, uh, you, you, I mean, Michael was muted for show. For show. Uh, first of all, you said I, like, was, I, don't, I was muted. Jeez Louise. For show. Damn, I just Zoom. Wanna, damn Zoom calls. All right. First, I want to correct your mistake. Sometimes you ramble, Tim, and don't even realize what you're saying. And you said that the that ass you you said the Saints drafted Callaway to be their number one receiver. Oh, this was a you you drafted Callaway. My bad. To to yeah. be to be a play to be a good receiver. Like yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, I, was, I, I I have to correct that because he was you. a thank UDFA. You. So yes, let's... thank you. <laughs> I mean, you drafted but, him to be a starting receiver. But you know how I feel about UDFAs, <clears throat> Jacoby Myers. <laughs> At the end of the day, not a lot of UDFAs are great. And right now, the shining moment of Callaway's career is a preseason game. So I'm sorry yeah. if I don't fully blame Jair Alexander for Callaway doing nothing in a f- fucking real game. You got really angry there, Jason. It wasn't all Jair Alexander because that's all I'm reading. It's absurd. As if he locked down Michael Thomas or something. <laughs> Yeah, the it wasn't all Jair Alexander, man. It's the fact the that Marcus Callaway is not that good. Yeah, people <laughs> were the like, fuck? <laughs> people started drafting Callaway in like the seventh, eighth round. They were like, yeah, maybe we'll leave him on the bench week one. But after that, he's good. He's good. Like what? <laughs> like, how do you possibly know he's just going to be good the rest of the season? This UDFA who's never been in this position before. So I'm with Jason. I mean, I don't know. I have him as a flex play this week because it's not a matchup to shy away from against Carolina. Carolina played decently against the Jets, but it was the Jets against a first-time rookie quarterback. So I just, I don't know how you could like, I mean, I thought it was, I don't roster any Callaway because I wasn't going to spend the seventh or eighth round pick on the guy. I just thought that was really dumb that people were doing that. That, that but got, if you it have got him, out of control towards the end. Yeah, but if you have him, I mean, he did operate as the main guy there. He played 84% of snaps. Deontay Harris was the second most from the receiver position with 44% of snaps and only two targets seems concerning, but Winston threw less than like 20 times because of that really weird five touchdown game, just like a lot of points and not really much uh, of anything else. Like just, it was the one, I think it was the only um, five touchdown game ever with less than 150 yards or maybe the second one ever. So pretty ridiculous type of game from Jameis, which obviously you can't expect again. So you can't expect the targets to be there this time. And let's see how Callaway performs, because if he has another bad game, then he's going to start heading to the bench in most leagues, I assume. Uh, Adam Troutman is an interesting, interesting situation because Adam Troutman uh, led the team in target share. Um, Six targets. He was actually the second most second highest percentage of targets for their team of tight ends besides Darren Waller's ridiculous 19 target game. So Adam Troutman is someone who is being treated like a number one kind of situation. So it's interesting. It's, 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 I think Adam Troutman is is a sneaky play. The, the issue for me with Adam Troutman is that 
Jawan Johnson played 19% of snaps, which is really ugly, but he had three targets. Two of those were touchdowns. He was the clear red zone target. Where does that leave Adam Troutman? We want a tight end who's going to be a middle of the field factor only, because once you get those second, third level tier tight ends, touchdowns are what really elevates them. And if Adam Troutman isn't going to be the, the red zone tight end, then what are we going to get from him on a good day? Jack Five Doyle. catches, 58 yards. He's Jack Doyle on yeah, a good day. like a Jack Doyle-esque. So I don't have much um, – I'm not intrigued by Troutman very much despite the 82% um, snap and the six targets, which led the team by far. Um, the Adam Troutman role, right? You just follow the people who were just hyping him up through the opportunity. They didn't – not really the talent, but we'll see. Um, how this goes moving forward. I definitely wouldn't want to trust him this week, though, because if you're going after a bottom-tier tight end, you might as well go after the touchdowns. Uh, yeah, Alvin Kamara, he's the best. He is. He's the best. Play. Play Alvin. He's the best. Um, on the other side, play play Christian. Christian, the best. Um Oh, it's true. We got. The I was first going for. I was going for Borat. I was going. Slash. I was going for Borat. Did I nail that at all? Not even close, man. Yeah, I right, thought you were going for uh, a Greek man, like an older Greek man. Oh, that might be I what thought came you were out. Going, I thought you were going for the the dad at our barber shop. <laughs> oh man, yo, that was, that's a good one, Jason. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, the Panthers are an interesting situation. One of the people that I saw dropped in almost every league that, I, that I'm that i in, and I just can't wrap my head around why, is Terrence Marshall. <clears throat> Terrence Marshall got a Terrace, shit ton- man. Terrace. Just say Terrence. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, Terrace it's Marshall. very, very frustrating. You're that guy, and I want to punch you in the face. Yo, If but, we were recording who, together, I would have just punched you in the arm. Honestly, yo, Mr. Marshall, <laughs> I, I fucks with you, but yo, who names their kid Terrace? That's where you stand. That's not what, like, what is Terrace? I need to know the, the, the I need to know the, the name, the, the story behind the name Terrace. Cause Terrence, What's a Timothy? A Timothy is a traditional name. And my name's Ephthemios, all right? Traditional, Greek name. If a Terrace is their, a traditional family name, then I'm, I'm with it. Like, I respect that. What if he was conceived on a Terrace? That's a very weird thing. <laughs> like, like, what if my kid's name was like, uh, you know, like, uh, like Foam? <laughs> memory foam what the fuck is happening in this podcast right now? <laughs> all right with that i'm just gonna go ahead and talk about bro robbie anderson goes and catches one pass a 50 yard touchdown ends with 12 points ends as a back end wide receiver three trade him he's just doing what he did last year all over again no. he ended as like a top 20 receiver just because he was consistently scoring eight points a week and somehow even when he catches a 50 yard touchdown that's the only catch he has, and he stays in that range. It's yeah, wild. It's funny. Sell Robbie Anderson high, please. Sam Darnold, don't don't listen to what other people told you. We're Jets fans. We watched the game. Sam Darnold did not look good. The offense I don't look like they were hiding Sam Darnold the entire time. The only people he could hit was McCaffrey out of the backfield and DJ Moore because he's a fucking wizard who could get separation on anyone. I don't. Sam really Donald know why. didn't look good. Sell Robbie Anderson. Yeah, not only really why people are. On. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Not more concerned about Robbie Anderson because, I mean, I understand. Oh, you know, he scored the touchdown, fifty-yard catch. Yeah, go, go, Robbie. But 
his role was different too. He wasn't the underneath guy in the game against the Jets. That was more DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall who had six targets and only 53% of snaps compared to Robbie who had 81% of snaps and three targets. He was more of the downfield threat, which we saw back in the Jets days where it's a, it's a good role for him. He's very good at it, but it also leads to a lot more inconsistencies than we saw last year. So I think people should be a bit more concerned about the, the deep touchdown only catch game against the Jets than they are. Maybe you just game scripted that way. It's only one game. You can't really, you can't make hard decisions about these things. Like you have to wait and see one game samples are very dangerous to fill your head with it and just believe that. So we'll see against new Orleans this week. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Robbie Anderson, but with that being said, I still think he's a decent wide receiver three play against new Orleans, even though um, they absolutely dominated green Bay last week, because Let's be real. I don't think we all believe the Saints defense is going to be that great every single week. So, I mean, teams are going to have to score. I mean, it's it was a very impressive performance, but I don't know if we're just going to buy into the Saints having an elite defense after I, one week. I mean, the Saints have been an elite defense for the last few years. They lost some pieces, but it's nice to see them not like like a semi elite or I mean, they've been more, they've been a top top 7 defense the past few years. Like they they I, mean, I think good you're hyping see... them up a little bit. No, bro. They've been a great defense. That's how they've been winning games. But either way, like Marshawn Lattimore also out. So good news for DJ Moore, who I really like in this game. Jason, what are you feeling about DJ Moore? I like DJ Moore in this game too, man. The only, like I said, if you watched the Panthers game yesterday, last week, it was clear that Christian McCaffrey is a person who's going to get 30 touches a game. And besides that, the Panthers are going to try to get the ball to DJ Moore. DJ Moore was clearly the most talented receiver, and he was clearly trying to get the ball thrown to him. The Saints, I mean, it should be a more difficult matchup. They just locked down um, the Panthers, but Marshawn Lattimore is now out. I'm, I'm sorry, the Packers. Marshawn Lattimore is now out, and even if... Uh, the Panthers struggle against the Saints. McCaffrey's going to make plays, and DJ Moore just has to make one play to make it worth it. So I- I'm excited to start DJ Moore this week. Robbie Anderson, I'd prefer not to start. Terrace Marshall, prefer not to start. Um, I think the Dan are the fucking Dan Arnold, Darnold to Arnold connection stuff is finally dying down. So that's all I want to say about Three that. Three touchdowns. Guys, Ian Thomas outsnapped D- Dan Arnold. That's all you need to know. Oh boy! But his name is D. Arnold. Get the shit out of here! Shit out of here. <laughs> Little Nicky was on the other day, and I was like, "This movie is fucking ridiculous." <laughs> Goodness gracious! Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this one? Sam Darnold is probably not your, the play to go with in this game. Obviously definitely not. not um, I I do want to keep an eye on Jawan Johnson's red zone role because if he keeps being the main guy in that red zone, if he has that, like, Mike Evans-type goal line running back type role, one, that would suck for Alvin Kamara. Two, he'd become an interesting target, even if he only plays 20 to 30% of snaps. He'd be very touchdown dependent, but sometimes that's okay for tight ends. I heard someone say, and I can't remember who, but I heard someone say, what if a random backup tight end scored two touchdowns in week seven? Would you be going to the waiver wire to pick him up? And the answer is no. So, uh, But it's Jawan Johnson but... was a... Was that might be season hype guy. 
I was so thinking about that come in terms out of nowhere, of, really. Uh, forget about Juwan Johnson because who cares about that? I was thinking about that in <laughs> terms of Brandon Ayuk. If Brandon Ayuk just put up a donut in a random week eight, would we care as much as we care right now? I think if played less than 50% of snaps. Yeah, if he didn't play the snaps, which he didn't. Like, he played special teams, bro. Like, what the fuck? Um, let's go on to our, I think this is the last game of the slate. Um, I have to double check that. But the Rams at the Colts. Um, Matthew Stafford wasted no time in that opening game, putting a good defense and making them look like they never played before. Matt Stafford, and it's it's to note, too, that Stafford only threw the ball a few times because he was so good. He was so efficient. One of his first passes was that big play to Van Jefferson that went for 80 yards and a touchdown. It was actually Matt Stafford's highest QB rating of his career. So came out, looks like he's going to be a great play against the Colts. Cooper Cup, who... The information came out that they eat breakfast together. Looks like he's going to be the number one target. Cooper Cup is a guy that I was really like on on in the offseason. It's good to see that coming to fruition. But I didn't even think it could be this good. It could be really good if he's the guy. How are you looking at these wide receivers, Cup, Woods, Jefferson in this game against the Colts? Start all Rams always is looking like it's going to be this season for the Rams because that was a very impressive um, opening game for that Rams offense led by Matt Stafford. Um, Daryl Henderson played 94% of snaps. Wow. 17 carries. Wow-y-wah. Yeah. Oh, so much for the people. People, ugh, people <laughs> suck at fantasy football, and that's why we win a lot because people legitimately change their projections to make Sony Michelle the lead running back right when the trade happened, and that's – that's why people suck at fantasy football, but clearly that's not going to happen. I don't, don't give me the shit. Sony Michelle's still getting acclimated with the offense. No, he played like three snaps total. It's Daryl Henderson's backfield for as long as he's healthy. And then you got woods and cup who this year, I still had woods slightly higher ranked, but I ended up with a lot more cup because my motto was just take whichever one falls farther because this year, more than most with a new quarterback, I was on the not sure Woods or Cup, who's going to be better bandwagon, um, but they probably both will be great. So in a, after week one, obviously, uh, it looks like Cup will um, was the better choice just because he, I mean, he played over 90% of the snaps compared to Woods' um, 77% of the snaps, which was interesting to see Woods play play that much less than Cup. But I still think I wouldn't be too concerned about Woods. I think they're both going to be great. Um this season. So, I mean, I'll let Jason discuss Tyler Higby, but I mean, I'm starting Cooper Cup happily. I'm starting Daryl Henderson happily. Matt Stafford is in a good position. I'm starting Cooper Cup. Um, I don't I don't care what defense the Rams are going against at this point. After week one, I'm just claiming this the new team where you should start everybody because that's how hyped I was about their offense against the Bears. I'm a little hesitant. Um, Indy's pretty good against the tight end. I'm a little hesitant to start Tyler Higby. But at this point in the year, like, there's no guarantee on the waiver wire. You don't know which defense really sucks against the tight end yet. So if you have Tyler Higby, you're starting him. So I'm just adjusting expectations, but I agree with you. What about Van Jefferson, though? Are you taking a shot because it seemed like he was No, 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 no. Fuck, forget about Van Jefferson. You're, we're not skipping over Tyler Higby like that. <laughs> uh, cheap plug. Go to the buy low, sell high article for uh, on the Broto app or the Broto site because my buy low was Tyler Higby. 
because if he found the end zone last week, then there'd be a lot more conversation about Tyler Higby this week. He went five for 68 in his first ever game with Matt Stafford. More importantly, he played every single snap. That is correct. Every single snap. And every time, not every time, almost 96% of the time, Matt Stafford dropped back. Tyler Higby ran a route. The only thing that's been holding Tyler Higby back his entire life was Gerald Everett, his entire life. They've, they've grown up <laughs> together. He's, they've always been on the same team. <laughs> and people just were trying to convince themselves that rookie tight end Jacob Harris would have a role. And this person would have a role. And this person would have a role. Sometimes life isn't that hard, boys. And I realized this as we got closer to the offseason. I'd, I'd say that Jalen Hurts and Tyler Higby were the two people who I in, liked the most towards the end of the season that I um, like you rose that on. I moved up in my rankings yeah. all throughout the offseason. And Higby, I want him on all of my teams right now. If he's going to be playing every oh. snap for a Matt Stafford-led team, he is going to be a tight end one. Get him before it's too late. Um, and Matt Stafford has made some bad tight ends relevant in the past. Higby is not a bad tight end. Where do you have Daryl Henderson ranked this week? I have him ranked as a mid-range RB2 to low, like mid-low RB2. I got him, I got him at RB17 currently. Okay. So just slightly, slightly above consensus. So we're we're all on, this, on the same page that don't expect... Too much out of Daryl Henderson because the Colts do have a pretty good rush defense, but um, no, could, could I disagree. I, I like Daryl Henderson. I'm playing him confidently. Yeah, but that means I ain't, as scared. RB, I ain't scared away by the Colts as RB 17. There's only so much sure, you can sure. do. So like 15 points ish. Um, I mean, I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if he ends as a top 10 running back. I wouldn't be either, but I'm not banking on it because this is a this is a tough one. Let's go fair to the enough, last game enough. here. Pats at Jets. Um, like I said, the Jets looked pretty. A lot better well, than Tim, a lot of analysts. What you you decided to just skip over the Colts entirely, like oh, you tend to do. Shit. All right. So then we're not gonna get to the passing Jets. We're gonna lead the next episode off with the <laughs> passing Jets. Let's talk about the Colts. That yes, I did forget about that. Um, the Colts were an interesting situation. Watching them play, it looked like I don't know, man. Carson Wentz would look, look a little shook to me. Um, how do you guys see it, Michael? We were right about Carson was, Wentz. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching the Colts, and all I thought was, "Holy running backs, Batman!" Because holy moly, did they just use their running backs over and over and over and over? Like Jonathan Taylor saw fifty-five percent of snaps, which on the surface you're like, "Damn, only fifty-five percent of snaps," but he saw seven targets and had seventeen carries. When he was on the field, he was getting the damn ball, and he went six for sixty through the air, seventeen for fifty-six. It was not a great game by any means, um, but, I mean, he did end as a 16th running back, and you got to expect that the usage is just going to continue being there for Taylor. Naheem Hines did his thing as usual, eight targets. Um, but that offense against Seattle, which is not – Seattle was a lot better against the run last year than they were against the pass, which makes me um, a little bit more bullish on Jonathan Taylor going forward with his usage likely getting better. But for that passing attack to look the way it did against Seattle is not very good. And I know Carson Wentz is coming off an injury and it's his first game with a new team, but I was just not blown away by any means by the Colts Carson Wentz led offense. Saquon looks good, guys. Saquon looks a sprite. Yeah, because he's Saquon. Buying him like 
it was so obvious to buy him low. People were acting like he was some washed RB3. I don't understand. I mean, it was... Yes, but also, like, you figure Washington's a bad matchup. Like, I'll wait and ha- let him have two bad games in a row before I buy low. No, like, man, you don't you don't spend a first-round pick on someone you wait two weeks for. That's true. Daniel Jones just went crazy on the, up the sidelines. Oh, there's a flag. Yeah, he's this running why, a lot. This, this is why game. I touted the horn for Daniel Jones as a QB2. All oh, right. shit. Touchdown. Yeah. All right, Jason. Mr. This guy out. just ran for, like, a 60-yard touchdown. No, no, he he stepped out. But there's a flag. You guys are way far behind. Oh yeah, we are. Oh. There's also a flag. Oh, he just missed a wide open <laughs> Kenny Galladay in the end zone. But there's a flag. Any anywho, let's get back to the <laughs> matter of fact, shall we? In the Indianapolis Colts here against the Los Angeles Rams. So what do you what, what very, do you very very difficult matchup? Yeah, let me ask you a question because receivers. you 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 no because you guys before we get off the running backs completely because I have a question for that. You guys mentioned Shoot. Jonathan Taylor got 17 carries. And seven targets. Yes. Yep. But he turned that into a less than average fantasy day. And now he's facing. No, nah, he ended literally as RB16. You can't get more average. Than that. Fine. Average fantasy day. But I mean, I would say less than average for that amount of work. So he had an average fantasy day. And now he's facing a very, very good Rams defense. Are you nervous if you're if you have Jonathan Taylor that it's going to be kind of like mid range wide receiver two game again? When Bro, are we forgetting your best player? This is the Rams. The Rams don't have the best running run defense on earth. They haven't that's been, been the their... best rush defense. That's that's what they allow. They allow rushing yeah. yards. Their that team that has run against all us. of Sean McVay. Their entire Sean McVay tenure has been: if teams want to run against us, so be it. I'm, we're not going to let them pass against us. Yeah. So so okay. I'm cool with Jonathan Taylor. The only thing I'll note. He ran 18 routes, Jonathan Taylor. So uh, that's the amount of routes he was running last season. He would just target on a targeted on a high percentage of them. I don't know if that's going to remain the same. So I wouldn't be surprised if his passing role drops a little bit because Naeem Hines was involved. So I don't want people to get like McCaffrey vibes all of a sudden. But this is a good matchup for him. I'm I'm happy to start him. I think Naheem Hines is one of those uh, weekly PPR. If you want 10 points in your flex, then start Naheem Hines. Yeah, basically week in and week out, he's a PPR option. He'll always have those games where they, if the Colts take a lead early and they don't need to pass as much, he'll only have a couple of receptions and he'll end outside the top 50 running backs. But against the Rams, he'll he'll get his. He'll get his. Um, Guys, every time. I don't expect him to have a big lead. Every time T.Y. Hilton is hurt, Zach Pascal scores a touchdown. Facts. What the fuck? It's true. It just doesn't stop. And Paris Campbell did nothing. And Michael With Pittman that said, did nothing. Pascal is most likely to line up against Jalen Ramsey this week. You think over Michael Pittman? Because I think that Michael Pittman, like, he lines up in that. Based on X. based on where they line based on where they lined up last week, Pascal is most likely to see Ramsey. Okay. Either way, against this Rams defense. I'm not trusting Pascal, Pittman, or Campbell. No way. If Pascal finds the end zone again, then, I mean, that means that when Hilton is out, he's Julio Jones. So you got to start playing him. Slap Tim, my button. You Call me daddy. There's no way you I'm playing Zachy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that was. But... <laughs> Tim, you mentioned 
Paris Campbell, sixty-one <laughs> percent of snaps is just simply not going to cut it. No. Um, compared to Pascal, who played ninety-one and Pittman ninety-seven, only took a play or two off the entire game. Michael Pittman was someone I've been fading the entire offseason, so I'm not super shocked by the fact that he didn't have that big of a game. I just don't think he could be an alpha wide receiver um, against the Rams. If he is up against Jalen Ramsey, it's going to be a very tall task. If it is Pascal, maybe Pittman could have a bit of a game, but I think he's more of a low-end flex play this week, and I really don't want to trust anyone besides Jonathan Taylor or maybe Naheem Hines in a pinch if you need to um, for for the offense on this team. Cause then you got like what the tight ends, you guys are talking on the week one about hopefully Mo Ali Cox is the guy gets a lot of snaps. Mo Ali Cox, 51% of snaps to Jack Doyle's 59. Mo Ali Cox, two targets to Jack Doyle's four, basically the same exact thing as last season. And you can't really use any of these guys if that's going to be what's going on in that offense, unfortunately. So just like the Browns, it's such a shame that they don't have just one tight end because if they did have one tight end, he'd be a pretty good tight end. Yeah, just morph them all together. Um, all right, that's it for the first episode. We're gonna end. We're gonna continue the next episode with the Patriots at the Jets in an NFC uh, and AFC, excuse me, East matchup. Uh, Michael, where could they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. Jason, where could they find you? At Brodo FF Jason. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. You can find Cass at Brodo FF Casanova. See what we did there. Uh, you could find us all at Brodo Fantasy, Instagram, and Twitter, patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy, and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app to get everything you need to dominate fantasy. We will see you in our often more viewed episode two because the way episode two comes out, I guess it comes out on top of episode one. So our, our yeah. more viewed episode every week, which uh, is... Kind of makes no sense, but uh. let me just add real quick before we go the uh, um, yeah, the new yeah, usage, yeah. the new usage tool in the app, man, Fine. is super awesome. Yeah, it is. You get the snap, snap percentage, target, target percentage, carries for running backs. Every week you could look at it. It's and we uploaded it faster than any other site onto our app. So do it, do it. Michael, Michael got a point. See you later.